Here's the thing. Back in the saddle, back in action, back in the habit, back in the groove. That's good. Oh, well, get into the groove. Oh. Are you ready to get into the groove? Oh, shit. That was a segue. I didn't even plan it. Boy, you've got to prove your love to me. I can do that. Did you write that? That's nice. Yeah. That's poetic. Get up on the beat. Yeah. Step to the beat. Boy, what will it be? Okay. That's less good. I want to get to know you in a special way. Okay. This doesn't happen to me every day. Whoa. (laughs) This is a lot to take in. There's a lot to process. Welcome to How Have You Not Seen This? Welcome, everybody. It is a comedy film podcast Mm -hmm. about a husband. Me, Daniel. Hello. And a wife, me, Tracy. Hello. um, Who show each other movies the other one really should have seen by now. Yeah. And um, we took a break last week. Because um, that's what we get to do sometimes. Because we, you know. Just... Our, our producer was on strike. Our producer was on strike. And uh, and now she's back. She's back in action. Yep. What do you think, Sadie? She's, good girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good girl. She's good. Uh, so, how how are you? I'm good. I'm, I'm good. It's a pretty day outside. I saw a fun movie today, so I'm looking forward to talking about Word. it. Word. Yeah. yeah. This is unusual for us to see the movie and then do the show like this quickly, but we just kind of thought we really were ready to talk about it. Yeah. A little uh, behind the scenes, behind what we're going to call the magic for y'all. Uh, usually we watch the movie and then like a day or two later record, but we just finished the movie like an hour ago. Word. We just watched it earlier today. So. Yeah. Hot yeah. and fresh. Hot and fresh and stinky just for you. Uh, gross. Yeah. It's a little moist. <laughs> I don't mind the word moist, but a lot of people do. <laughs> I know. A lot of people hate that word. I think it's fine. You know, they what, really you know what's it. moist? Delicious cake. That's true. Um, so today's movie mm-hmm. is a classic. In fact, it is a Criterion film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is uh, Susan Seidelman's 1985 Desperately Seeking Susan. Not seeking director Susan. Yeah, it's just a coincidence. She actually really loved that her name was in, when she got the script, she was like, well, I have to do it because my name is in the title, and now I'm happy about that. Right. Writer. It's also got like a nice musicality to it, Desperately Seeking Susan. You know, it's a nice, mm-hmm. it's a pretty name, mm-hmm. it's a nice rhyme. It's not like Desperately Seeking Gladys. Like, that movie would not work. That's more of a Desperately true seeking crime. Flow. That's more of a true crime, like uh, Silver Alert. My grandmother's missing. Like yeah. some some serial killer has been killing mm-hmm. grandmas. Yeah. And please, we're desperately seeking Gladys. We go yes. on the news like tonight. We're like, yes. please, she's lost. She's hungry. She needs her epipen. Yes, we're desperately seeking Gladys. Now I'm depressed. It's okay. She's fine. She's gonna get home just okay. Well, so. So I guess, do you want me to tell you about it a little bit and then ask you why you haven't seen it? Or do you, would you like to just tell me why? Uh, how have you not seen I'll this? I'll tell you how I have not seen this. This movie, uh, for those of you who don't know, stars the 80s. 
the 80s are in this movie. It's the just 80s are the star of this movie. The 80s. It is, having only seen it just the once, just earlier today, I would definitely put this in a list of movies to show people about movies and New York and just like the 80s culture kind of vibe, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. Like it is very different from, but to me, a part of the same genre as The Secret of My Success because it could not exist outside the 80s. It is the 80s, you know? Yeah. And The Secret of My Success is very different and not technically good. But... But if you love it, it's in your heart. It's an 80s movie. Secret of my success is I'm living. How much are you living? 25 hours a day. That's a lot of hours. There it is. Okay. Um... (laughs) So yeah, no. So Desperately Seeking Susan stars <laughs> Rosanna Arquette, right? What are you doing? We didn't say Don't who was in it, so job. I gotta tell people what's Don't in it. Don't do my job. Well, then tell them who's in it. I'm gonna tell, I'm gonna, listen. Okay. You just sit there and look pretty. Yeah, oh, right? that I can do. That's your job. <laughs> Ladies or Okay, dudes. so hey. I'm gonna give you a little breakdown. We have uh, Rosanna Arquette is, Rosanna Arquette is gets second billing, but she's really the star. But the reason Madonna gets first billing is because... It's Madonna. And they were like, well, clearly. Um, but Rosanna Arquette actually uh, is the star and nominated for numerous awards for this movie, if that huh. says anything. Yeah. She plays Roberta, a meek housewife who finds a vicarious thrill by reading the correspondences of an enigmatic woman named Susan, Madonna, yep. and the people who are desperately seeking her in the personal section of a newspaper. After a series of curious events, the two women, this is from Wikipedia, by the way, thanks, Wiki, are scheduled, no, this isn't from Wikipedia, and I'll find where it's from. This is from the internet. It doesn't matter. After a series of curious events, the two women are scheduled to meet, but their rendezvous is bungled, and (laughs) I typed his bungles. Their rendezvous is bungles. Their rendezvous is bungles. Okay. And that was a, I don't, that voice was weird. (laughs) I'm gonna. That was like if you were a children's entertainer, but also a murderer. Oh. Yep. And she's staring at me. I'm just thinking. Okay. That's probably an MFM. Um, and Roberta is stricken with amnesia, which we will talk about. And Susan lands in jail. Afterwards, Roberta begins to take on Susan's carefree persona, leaving her dull lifestyle and unfulfilling marriage behind her in a case of mistaken identity. That is a... So we're going to talk... We'll talk about, like, the movie. Yeah. That's... That is a very bad... Yeah, it's not that that's inaccurate per se. It's just that it doesn't really give you a handle on what the movie is like and stuff. Right. Um, yeah. This also stars Aiden Quinn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know something? You are not at all what I expected. You're not quite what I expected either. Aiden Quinn. Let's all take a moment. Sorry, I was just... Um, Jeez. Y'all know in Practical Magic when he's all like beefed up, right? You like that. I want to show him Practical Magic. I have never Magic. seen Practical Magic. I know. And I want to show it to him, but I feel like he really wouldn't get it. I feel like that's just for us women. I feel like, yeah. And and this is, and, and, and stop me if I verge too quickly into stereotypical areas here, because I like to think that I go into a lot of movies open-minded and see a lot of things that... You do. Yeah. But there's just those kinds of movies, especially if they happen to come out when you were growing up, that like, you know, like... Uh, it's like um, it's like how you know most women are going to be like, I haven't seen Dumb and Dumber, or if I have, I hate you for making me watch it. You know that is 
Uh, Accurate. It's like uh, when I think of Practical Magic, which I've never seen, I also think of The Sweetest Thing or Center Stage. I just think of movies that like every girl seems to know and love. And I want to show them Center Stage. Haven't seen it. It's about dancing. I'm pretty sure. Don't you think you would love Center Stage? And that's not the one with Julia Stiles? He won't. Uh, That's Save the Last Dance for me. No, no. Or Save the Last Dance. We're not watching that. Anyway, we've also got, um, this is Madonna's first major screen role. Back to Desperately Seeking Susan. Yes. And we also have Aidan Quinn, Laurie Metcalf, John Turturro, Stephen Wright making his appearance. First appearance, just hilariously. Um, I cannot remember oh here we go mark blum mark blum is gary glass roberta's husband and those of you who are crocodile dundee fans will remember him as the kind of uh jerk boyfriend of the of of the main lady and yeah oh wow isn't that him i'm not crazy am i i don't i haven't seen that in like 30 years i'm pretty sure 25 years yep i'm right of course you are kaboom so yeah he's good at playing sleazy guys he's definitely a good dickhead in this yes and we also have um will Patton, who we all love it's will Patton. will Patton is a quintessential that guy he is a hey it's that guy yeah for those of you who um ever read and I miss it every day. Television Without Pity. Television Without Pity, by the way, is how I met my husband. Um, You. Oh. Not that other guy. Yeah. Um, Eat shit, guy. Yeah. He's dead now. Oh, shit. No, I'm just kidding. We'll have to delete all this. There is no other guy. <gasps> or is there? I oh, know. Um, Will Patton is uh, is in Hey, It's That Guy. When the, the, the writers, some of the writers in Television Without Pity wrote a book called Hey, It's That Guy. And it, every page was an actor that you that you know that you know. You're like, hey, that's that guy. And then you realize, and then they have all their movies that they did. Um, yeah. And, um, Will like, Patton's been in a ton of stuff. I mean, the two off the top of my head that were bigger ones when I was growing up were he was the assistant coach in Remember the Titans, and he's... Also in Armageddon is like the nice. Su- he's the nice Southern guy with like the Rocky family situation who like he survives and comes home and like reunites with his wife and kids. Yeah, at the his end. wife's like, "That's your daddy," and you're like, Boo. "Yeah, hey, hey, just an FYI, if anyone ever wants to see my dad, who is the ultimate like man's man, if you ever want to see him cry like a baby, sit down and watch Armageddon with him. It's fucking hilarious. It's great. Anyway." We digress. Armageddon also released by Criterion, and yes. we won't get into that. I stand by it. I stand by it. No, I'm, I'm not kidding. I think I wrote about this a few years ago. Did uh, you really? I'll, I'll, I'll try and find a link to the piece. Um, I think Criterion, uh, which for those, for those of you all who don't know, Criterion is a movie uh, licensing company, basically. It's a DVD and Blu-ray production company that licenses movies and puts out really, really high-quality Package of, packages of them, usually with, like, restored images and sound, recovered archival stuff, maybe some new commentaries by some people, special essays by film critics in the books. So really, really um, nicely done packages of stuff. And in the 90s, they released two of their movies were Armageddon and The Rock. I stand of, by The Rock. Both of which I stand by because it's not that they're, like, you know, that loose, quote-unquote, great in the way of, like, you know, great life-changing, people-changing you know, art-changing cinema, but, like, if you are looking for a snapshot, a record in time oh. of what 90s Hollywood action blockbuster movie making was like, those are perfect. Because That's it was the true. peak of the of the Bay Bruckheimer um, vibe. It was before 
comic books took over, which they've done for the past 10 or 15 years. So so the IP had to be uh, new. You know what I mean? Like, The Rock is a new idea. Armageddon was a, a new idea. Like, so it was it was 90s action movie making okay. at, at its quintessential. I, I defer to you. That is actually an excellent point. Yeah. Excellent point. Well, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like uh, if, you, if you wanted to show somebody and tell them what what they were like, you wouldn't say like, listen, this movie's not necessarily like great, great. It's not as good as say The Godfather. There's our reference for today. Mm. But it's it's hard to come up with, with better examples. I'm going to come. I'm actually going to give us, we're actually going to have a new reference. Oh. I mean, we'll keep The Godfather. Okay. But I have found a movie that for the last, I want to say like three podcasts has randomly come up and I'm like, what the fuck are we, how is this part of this? And so I what think it? it's meant to be. I'll get to it. Oh, okay. Um, okay, so back to our amazing film. Yeah, what were we talking about? Best really seeking Susan. Seeking Susan. So I have a bunch of really, oh, it's I have a criterion. A bunch of really great articles yep. from really great people. Um, this one is. Oh wait, real quick. Did you? I'm sorry. Did you want it? I thought you were wanted me to tell you why I hadn't seen it yet. Oh yeah, you never did. Yeah, I didn't do that. So sorry. You so just went off onto a tangent. As is my want. <laughs> um, so I knew of Desperately Seeking Susan just from being alive. Uh, it just was one of those pop culture trivia things. Like if when you learn about Madonna, you learn about she was in this because she was blown up in the 80s. They put her in Desperately Seeking Susan. It was a big thing. It was just one of those zeitgeist lineup kind of moments things. Um, and I'd seen like brief clips on like... Uh, I love the 80s type shows or, mm. or like you know, mm-hmm. on YouTube or like it's so I knew of it and I knew the title Desperately Seeking Susan, but I didn't even know who Susan was or if that was Madonna or anything. I didn't know anything about the movie. I just knew it was Madonna. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I never saw it because it came out in 85. And so it was, you know, well before my time. I was a little kid. So something that's also worth noting, like I was three when this came out. So by the time I was like elementary school moving into middle madonna mm-hmm. was already past the like or like into or past the like truth or dare thing like mm-hmm. dick tracy i was in elementary school for mm. so like the the truth or dare and the sex stuff i was like late elementary early mid, early mm. middle school i want to say mm-hmm. so like i wasn't around for like the first big wave of like madonna mania and that yeah that you missed out on that i so, i was at the very i was like i was eight but right, so when, much closer. Much closer when it came out on DVD. I, I mean DVD. <laughs> VHS. VHS. Um, I think I probably saw it at Sean and Ann's because that was where I was able to see movies I wasn't allowed to see. Sure. Um, Everybody had a friend like that. Yeah, I love them. I mean, not just because of that. Um, but uh, it was Madonna was extremely important to me like yeah. you were extremely a girl in the important. 80s i had the floppy bows in my hair and mm-hmm. all that stuff like i went to a super super uh uptight prep school so it's not like i was able to dress you know like that like madonna but i will post a picture mm-hmm. of me in i want to say third grade going to some party and it was a and it was supposed to be like dress kind of like Madonna or whatever mm-hmm. and I of course being me and my mother being my mother this is where I get the no black she wears a lot of black now but she didn't used to in the in the 80s and 90s I am in like technicolor 
Yeah, so, it's, awesome. it's an awesome um, picture. Yeah, it's pretty great. So, um, but, yeah, uh, so keep going. So, yeah, uh, so I just knew of it and learned of it when I was like in middle or high school. But then, of course, just never seemed like a thing I wanted to, to see or catch up on. And it just became... Sexist. Yeah, <laughs> wildly sexist. No, um, so it just became one of those pop culture bits of trivia thing that I knew but had never seen. And so it's, uh, it's always just kind of been in the back of my head or on my radar. And then when I saw that Criterion put out on their app this package of Susan Seidelman movies, I brought this up. Because I was like, hey, I've never seen Desperately Seeking Susan. And you, mm-hmm. like, flipped your wig. You're like, well, we got to see that. Yep. I just never got around to it because I uh, also was a young boy. Like, I was, like, not into Madonna, you know, because it's just not my thing. Like, my sister listened to Madonna, but I was like, that's not for me. But now I'm like, Madonna's songs are awesome. So Yeah, it's Madonna. It's Madonna. It's great. Yeah, so I just never got around to seeing it, and I'm really glad that I finally caught up with it. So that's – I just kind of missed it being a little too young for it. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, um, it is beyond its time in that it was written by a woman. Yes. It was mm-hmm. directed by a woman. Yep. It was produced by women, and it was about Two women. women starring two women, yeah. Yeah. And you don't see that now. No, yeah. So, I mean, so the fact that it happened yeah. in 1985 yeah. mm-hmm. is fucking huge. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got an article by Ann Cohen writing for Refinery29. And um, it's it's about Madonna's acting and how she basically, like, she really should have just made this movie and then been been a musician because every role that she's been in since then has just been a complete and utter disaster. But this movie was made for her. Like she gets to be her. She gets to be herself, which is why she's not really acting. I was just, I was just thinking that like, (laughs) like her performance in this is not really good. She's just like bringing her own natural charisma to the role. Yeah. Like you don't believe her as, this person, but you watch her because she's Madonna and she's watchable. That's why she was a star in the first place. So you're like, oh, she's just so charismatic and engaging and and fun and funny and clearly having a good time. So yeah, like the stuff where she tried to actually act act never seemed to really pan out because it's yeah. just not. Yeah, I mean, Patty Lapone. Um, there's a quote somewhere in my in all this mm-hmm. where Patty Lapone just fucking shreds her after her um because patty lamone for those of you who don't know and shame on you if you don't um is a goddess of stage and screen Mm -hmm. um she's one probably got so many tonys that like her bookshelves break uh and then she was also in you know tv and movies and um she did evita and then madonna did evita uh, in a movie, and Patty Lapone was Lepone like, did it. "I did not know that." Your eyes are. F-. She was like, she said her eyes were dead. Patty Lapone, no, Patty Lapone didn't do the movie. I meant the stage show. Of course, yeah. she did the. Stage I didn't know show. she was in that. Wow. Oh my god! I mean, it's I never just knew who was. Unbelievable. Wow. And she just destroyed Madonna's. Uh, she was like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Like how dare you it's almost like you're just it's it's like a religious experience and you're shitting on it like what is wrong with you yeah um so it's almost like madonna has so much power and clout at that level no one's really around to be like hey you you probably can't pull this off you know yeah maybe no why did the studio think they could even get away with that I mean, I think at that point she had so much that it was like, I'm I'm going yeah. to do this. Yeah, it was mid-90s. She was still hella popular. I'm going to do this. Antonio Banderas I mean, is the dude in that? Think about think about an actor, think about a musician now who could get any role they wanted if they just said, they just, they just decided they wanted to be an actor. Taylor Swift. That's exactly who I was thinking of. Mm-hmm. And thank God she hasn't really tried, except for Cats. 
Yeah. Um, because I do not want to see Taylor Swift try to act. Yeah, no, t- the 35 years later, this would be a Taylor Swift movie. That's what this would be. They would build it around her. Okay. Yeah. Give me a moment. Okay. <gasps> Power through. I did. Um, so I'm going to read this from um, from Ann Cohen, who wrote great piece. Directed by Susan Seidelman, based on a screenplay by Leora Barish, Desperately Seeking Susan is both ahead of its time and aggressively, authentically rooted in the mid-80s. That is a perfect mm-hmm. sentence for this movie. Not only does it star two female leads in what is as much a voyage of self-discovery as it is a romantic romp, What's that Baden Quinn call me? It was written and directed, ooh, bad editing, directed, directed by women at a time when that was even less common than it is today. Mm-hmm. The film grossed 27, I'm not going to read the whole, the 27 million domestically, more than sextupling its $4.5 million budget. Yeah. And uh, I think that says a lot um, because it was, it was not, it didn't come across as a movie that cost a lot of money. No. It, you can see, uh, you can see them like finding ways to like kind of creatively cut corners sometimes. Yeah, not in a bad way, but yeah, it's just yeah. it's notable. Madonna was only twenty six when oh this God. came out, and she was about to embark on the Virgin tour, which was her very first concert tour in North America. Oh my God! Opening act, the Beastie Boys. That would have fucking owned. Can you imagine? Holy shit, that'd be a good show. I think I, I think I wanted to go, and my parents were like, "I'm sorry, yeah. are you on drugs?" Because you were like eight or nine. But man, the Beastie Boys and Madonna in the mid '80s, that would have been a show. Mm-hmm. Man, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm just like thinking about that now. God, yeah. that's such a, that's such a killer lineup. And you know, it was the '80s, so tickets probably like seven dollars. You're yeah. like, oh my god, whatever. Just fuck you guys. I know. <laughs> um so I'm just kind of I'm just kind of going stream of consciousness here. Mm-hmm. Uh we had great the the um movie has great music. You do get to have Into the Groove by Madonna, which is weird. <laughs> which freaked Daniel out. It a doesn't bit. freak me out. The song slaps. It's a great song. But it's always weird when the artist who sings the song is in the movie because, like, that means in that universe, Madonna exists. So who's this lady? Becomes this thing. Really, I'm like, it's cute. They're just doing a nod to Madonna. And yeah. it's honestly like, one of the best songs on the soundtrack. So Yeah, it's actually not on the soundtrack. Oh, I meant to, like, um, I should have no, I know, but I mean, like, I, in the movie. I know, yeah. but it was a kind of a thing that it wasn't on the soundtrack. And then she, like, did a version of it for the soundtrack, and it did not do well. Huh. She also wrote the um, title song for okay. it called Desperately Seeking Susan that, like, no one has heard, no one knows. Any, yeah. Like, whatever. The point of is not... The songs are not important. The score is what's awesome in this movie which you heard some a little at the beginning Mm -hmm. and it is written by one of my favorites thomas newman who is i'm just going to congratulate him ahead of time because we know he's going to win god am i jinxing him i don't know Um, he's been nominated 14 times for an oscar and he's nominated for a 15th time for 1917 and i'm pretty sure he's going to win and i kind of hope he does because dude I'm gonna look, while you do, I'm gonna look up what else is nominated. Um. Anyway, Thomas Newman, who has done Shawshank Redemption and Green Mile, he's done so many amazing movies. And what else has he done? What other movie has he done? Is this like a rhetorical question, or you really want me to find out for you? Real genius. Oh my God! Real. That's the one that's come up so many times. I know. 
Real Genius. Real Genius is a great movie. Real Genius is becoming our new godfather. It oh, is it's everywhere. Good. It's good. It is everywhere. It's good. I know. Yeah. Oh. So Thomas Newman did Real Genius. Okay. But he also wrote a really great score for this that I thought was extremely, like, it was very rooted in the 80s. It was very, um, it had the synth, and it was it was phenomenal. Rosanna Arquette, can we talk about how just, didn't you just want to just hug on her? Yeah, she was great. She's so precious. Mm-hmm. She's little. And she's just like, I don't know what's going on. She's like, I don't, I don't know anything. Are you going to read us the, do we really need to know this? Who's, is well, it maybe, a ton? Maybe we don't know. I just wanted you to see, you're like, he's probably going to win. And you're like, I don't want to jinx him. There's only four other nominees. Okay. Who the are other they? nominees for, this is for the upcoming Academy Awards for Best Original Score. Joker by Hildur Guanadotter. Mm-hmm. Wow. Little Women by Alexandra Desplat. I know him. Marriage Story by Randy Newman. And then Star Wars Rise of Skywalker I'm by John sorry. Williams. Wait a second. Are you laughing at Randy Newman? Randy it's a surprise. Newman. When you see his name in the credits, it fucking throws you. <laughs> You're like, we're gonna Friends. get divorced and you're not living with me anymore. And where did my kid go? Ba-dum, ba-dum. We're getting divorced. Punching the wall, screaming at my ex-wife. Like it's yeah. Does no, it it's sound not. like a Randy Newman no. joint? Hence the confusion. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, damn. It's weird. Okay. That threw me. Okay. Then I think that it's a lock for, for Big Tom. Excuse yeah, me. That's our producer. Everybody's saying that 1917 is going to win a bunch of awards, so I could see him Producer, winning. get out of here. Sadie. She goes on strike, then she knocks stuff over. Um, Why do we pay you? Rosanna Arquette. I want to read this because I think this is uh, sad. Rosanna Arquette is a great actress. She really is and she's great in this movie mm-hmm. um and uh you when you watch it you're like wait what the fuck happened to rosanna arquette because patricia arquette's been acting non-stop like where what happened to rosanna arquette i'm gonna tell you uh i'm gonna tell you don't say a word okay hold on i'm making guesses in my head like- okay she won a BAFTA for Best Actress in a Supporting Role for this Supporting Role for this role. She was also nominated for a Globe. Huh. She's riveting in her performance enough to make me. This is still the Ann Cohen article. Make me seriously wonder why her career never really took off. But of course, the answer to that question is simple. Arquette was among the first women to come forward with allegations of sexual misconduct against Harvey Weinstein yeah. in Ronan Farrow's God bless you, Ronan Farrow New Yorker ex- expose in. Um, from October 2017. In an NPR follow-up interview, she says she believes Weinstein had intentionally sabotaged her career. Of course he did. He did that to so many women. After she rejected his sexual advances in the early 1990s. Quote, Got down the elevator. By the time I got to the bottom, the lobby, I had a completely different career, she said. Yeah. And that is heartbreaking. Harvey Weinstein is a piece of shit who raped and assaulted a lot of women and ruined a lot of careers out of vindictive, petty, tiny-dicked, insecure spite and he deserves every punishment and uh, failure that has brought his way and may his name go down in infamy he's a piece of shit kudos i agree fuck him fuck Fuck him him to the fuck him to the wall and back walks into court with that walker nobody gives a shit you fucking rapist yeah oh we're sad about you a walker yeah really where's your oxygen tank eat shit jesus that just made me think of uh casino casino yeah me too yeah yeah, so I apologize on behalf of 
Harvey Weinstein who will never apologize to Roseanne Arquette because you yeah. deserve better because you were an exceptional so many talent. And Annabelle uh, Sciorra, Ashley Judd. He just ruined oh, so many lives. Yeah. He's oh, like, man, I love when Ashley Judd, yeah. I love when Ashley Judd gets going and her accent comes mm-hmm. out. Me too. Man, she lets loose. Yeah. He just destroyed so many careers. Yeah. Fucking piece of shit. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Let's talk about the movie a little bit because um, there are things in it that I really loved that I that I thought you would um, have like caught on to. Sure. Um, it is very okay. So <laughs> Daniel and I, or I saw it and he half heard it. I can't remember. I watched this awful thing on Facebook that was on BBC about this woman who has started, she's either started or she's part of this thing called hashtag trad wife, traditional wife. And it's these women who believe that they should be subservient to their husbands and their husband's needs should always come first. And they, you know, are at home and blah, blah, blah. And Daniel and I had this long conversation about like, you should absolutely stay at home and be a a stay at home mom if that's what you want. But like, don't ever think that anybody's needs like are sub like you're subservient that your life is like less than or whatever. Fuck that. I swear to God, it made me really, really viscerally angry, viscerally angry Mm -hmm. um, to listen to this woman and so we've kind of turned it into a joke in our house. Like, you know, he'll bring me a, a soda and I'll be like, oh, that's so sweet, babe. Hashtag trad wife. And he's like, yeah, hashtag trad wife. Um, but this movie is very much an example of hashtag trad wife. And look it up on Instagram or whatever you'll see. Um, and if you go to Facebook and, and type in like BBC trad wife, you can watch the video and be horrified. Um, but like she's getting her hair done at the beginning. And she's with her sister-in-law, Lori Metcalf, who's fucking hilarious. And at one point, uh, her sister-in-law says she wants her to get some new cut. And the reason she does is her husband will love it. Like, that's the only thing that matters is that her husband will love it. And she has to throw this party for her husband and his new commercial because he sells... um, uh, hot tubs and hot tubs and spas yeah. bathtubs and, bathtubs and, and indoor hot tubs. spas and yeah mm-hmm. yeah and the photos on the fridge i don't know if you noticed this they were all of gary yeah mm-hmm. and i was like yeah that's not creepy at all and he just i mean i literally just wrote hashtag trying with all my thing on my phone because it's all about what she can do for gary it's never it has nothing to do with her that's her life this is Roberta's life. And um, she even, oh, I have a great, you talk while I look for something. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I noticed that too. Uh, one of the things that I liked a lot about this movie is that in a lot of ways, it's, you know, kind of just a, a lighthearted screwball comedy of like, you know, misunderstandings and, and some farce and some physical comedy, which it's definitely there. But there are a lot of great moments in the script that are really honest and and funny and honest about this guy Gary's uh selfishness and his inability to see that he's selfish and a lack of understanding like his his wife is sexually unsatisfied and at one point his sister mentions it and he and he, Gary's like she doesn't even like sex that much and you're like she does you're just that selfish and having an affair on the side like you he's just like in his own selfish world and he says it in a way he goes i'm just i'm having a nice traditional affair yeah, uh-huh. on the side i mean like yeah okay. he's like it's not tawdry i'm just having having an affair yeah, yeah. it's gross mm-hmm. um he comes into 
the kitchen at one point um, after Roberta's, this is Roberta's birthday party. Oh, I'm sorry. That's right. It was Roberta's birthday party. And she was still having to do all the work and everybody was still focused on Gary and his commercial his that came commercial. on. Yeah. Um, she's eating her birthday cake, which I would totally do in the middle of the night. Just sit there and watch TV and eat my birthday cake. I really want cake now. Me too. Um, and she's watching uh, the classic, amazing movie, Rebecca. So good. Which is one of my favorite movies. And if you haven't seen it, it's Hitchcock. Well, read the book, first of all, because the book is amazing. Yeah. And see the movie. The movie is equally amazing. And um, you'll love it. But it's very interesting. Film scholar. Okay, so this is from um, a an article by Nadia Claire Smith for um, Brattle Theater Film Notes. That's I, I managed to get that out. Mm-hmm. She says, uh, uh, film scholar Susan Morrison notes that Desperately Seeking Susan also rewrites Rebecca, a classic 1940s women's film and gothic romance in which the nameless heroine hopes to destroy the memory of Rebecca, a dead icon she can never emulate. Um, You you see, Roberta is obsessed with Susan. She follows her around the world through these um, personal ads She's in Mexico. She's in wherever. She's whatever. She's obsessed with this person that she's never met. And then she decides one day to go to Battery Park where Susan is supposed to meet uh, Jim, who is her boyfriend, who writes the Desperately Seeking Susans. And uh, she follows them, follows uh, Susan. And it's kind of creepy. It's it's creepy. I'm not going to say kind of creepy. It's creepy. She follows her and follows her and follows her. Ends up, um, Susan ends up swapping out her. There's an iconic jacket. We'll put a picture of it on the Instagram. If you, on the Instagram, I sound like an old person. Um, if you've seen the movie or if you know the movie at all, you know the jacket I'm talking about. Um, and Roberta buys it and puts it on. She's like, she just wants to be, she wants anything she can get to be a part of Susan which Rebecca, when she is married, when she marries, what's his name? Yeah. Um, she would do anything to be, to, yeah. I don't know, not to just, she just wants to be. She's haunted by the. Thank you. She's haunted by the memory and the, the specter and the mental image of Rebecca, whom she never met. Yes. But she knows that uh, her husband, Mr. DeWinter, is still obsessed with her. And Daphne du Maurier. Yeah, that's, that's, the, that's author. the author. It's a fantastic movie and, and book. And yeah, like that's that's Don't you see that in the, yeah, in well, the movie? I was, I was wondering why that was in there. I haven't had time to to do that yet, but that's that's why that's in there because you know, whenever somebody in a movie is watching a movie, it's not random. You, you should know? pay attention. They're like, Why did the why are they watching what they what they're watching? Yes. Um, and the fact that you see enough of the scene of Rebecca while Roberta is eating her cake by herself yes. in the middle of the night in the kitchen. Uh, you know, that's why that's in there. It's about duality and identity and wanting to be this other person and having this image of their life in your head that you feel like you can never measure up to. Yes. Mm-hmm. I did not know this. Um, there's a lot. This movie is written about a lot. It's in um, 
it's actually in books about in in film when you study film you study this i study i was in a film class in college and we studied this film and i was like what what this is, this is a, no this would be a good one 80s movie what's happening and then you realize oh this is an important movie it is um and you and one of the things i like uh um in the in the brattle theater film notes uh they also bring up that it's the two female leads, female writer, director, whatever. But um, while there were a number of female friendship films in the 80s, this film differs from many of them in its lack of sentimentality, which is very true. I mean, for most of the movie, Susan calls Roberta a witch, mm. you know, because she thinks that Roberta intentionally stole her jacket that her has stuff, her yeah. heat, her stuff mm. and all this. Um, I don't know if... You have ever heard of this. I had never heard of it. Both Seidelman and screenwriter Leora Barish were influenced by the 1974 French film Céline and Julie Go Boating. I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. Shall we go boating? Sure. Let's go boating. Uh, now I want to watch, which raises similar questions, but is much more intellectual and art house than Desperately Seeking Susan. I'm shocked. <laughs> Color me shocked. Yeah. But now I want to watch it. Something else that is weird and surprised me was that when Leora Barish first wrote this, it was supposed to be a send up of hippies and not of not of like kind of the punk like Madonna. The eighties pop punk thing kind of yeah. going on, yeah. Um which is why when they were auditioning they had like they were looking at Diane Keaton for that role because uh susan was supposed to be this hippie with long hair who ate like brown rice and um oh yeah let me see uh just like this kind of free spirit thing that floated through the you know floated around yeah they were gonna have them be in their 30s instead of their 20s and um susan was gonna be a backpacking hippie with like bell bottoms and birkenstocks and brown rice and lentils and uh Seidelman was like, no, we're going to do something different. Yeah, that's a very different movie. Yes. So it's a stylistically, it's very much an 80s punk slash new wave counterculture film that is mm-hmm. aggressively, if comically dismissive of the 60s hippie sensibility, as mm-hmm. well as of the 80s yuppie suburbanites like Gary, yeah. who is Roberta's husband. I mean, he goes to this club at one point, which actually is the club that Madonna came up in, which I think is very cool. Really? Yes. I didn't know that. Yes. And um, he looks so out of place. It's... It's great. Hilarious. He's just... Yeah. it That's great. Um, but I thought that was wild that they were going to have it be... Have her be some, like... Yeah. That's a very different idea. Very different movie. Yeah. What else do I have? I have so many things because, mm-hmm. oh, okay. So you were talking to me about the colors. Yeah. I was saying that I loved the lighting and the color work. There's a, there's a lot of great, like surprisingly beautiful shots in moments, more than you would expect in a, in a movie that's like, you know, kind of a, a light, you know, comedy of misunderstandings. Uh, one of the ones that I mentioned was one scene where Roberta who thinks she's Susan because of the knock on the head. Oh, crap. Yeah, we totally forgot that. The she plot. gets a knock on the yeah. head and gets amnesia. Yeah. And <laughs> Sorry about that. We're 40 minutes into the podcast, and we didn't talk about that. She gets a bump on the head when this 
She hits her head and thinks she forgets who she is, and so she winds up thinking she's Susan because, because she's meeting Aiden a friend Quinn. who thinks that she's Susan, and so that's well, a guy is coming yeah. to meet her and he thinks she's Susan. Yeah, and so, so she says, she "I must be Susan." Susan. So yeah, at one point she's you having need to just see the movie. She's having it's uh, complicated. a picnic on the roof with Aiden Quinn, and she looks over and sees a guy playing the sax, and he's just you know in this window that's kind of like partially blurred, but the light coming out is blue and aqua, and there's like just the black and the red brick, and it's you know really weird and, and, and pretty and and interesting looking. Like, there's a lot more interesting looking moments in this than you might expect if you just went into it knowing the era or the vibe or, hey, this is that movie from the 80s that Madonna was in. Like, it's surprisingly pretty in a lot of times. Yeah. Um, in the Refinery29 article, it says, Seidelman, who went on to direct several key episodes of Sex in the City, including the pilot. Don't be sad. A lot of people love it. I know uh, I... If you direct a pilot and the show keeps going, you get money as long as the show goes. Shut up. That's what I heard. Huh. That's why a lot of people, that's why a lot of people like uh, in the. Like Fincher James, will direct. Like a... James Burroughs like directed the pilot of Friends, you know. Jesus. So you're like, yeah, if you direct a pilot or like write the pilot and the show keeps going, that's why the pilot of The Office in the American is the same script as the British, because that gives them a foot in the door for rights and residuals. Yeah. So, but yeah, so she's probably doing okay. <sighs> okay. Um. Okay, so it says, uh, including the pilot, has a keen eye for shots, and the whole movie is both gorgeous and grungy, lit with hues of blue and pink neon. Mm -hmm. Seidelman's pre-gentrification New York is a dangerous, dirty, exciting shithole. Yeah. That's just perfect, because seriously, pre-gentrification, pre-crazy uh, man Giuliani coming in, mm -hmm. New York was fucking terrifying. Yeah, it's it's definitely got a lot more dirt and grime in this, and not in like a self-conscious or or parody like way or it's not making fun of it like it's just they're honestly shooting on like you know streets and shops and stuff yeah. and alleys and it just looks grungy because that's just the way that's the way it was city looked um it yeah just looks it's real not a mockery in. it's yeah. not a, it's not a mockery mm -hmm. it's a it's a this is this is 1985 new york and i love that yeah totally uh because i mean i'm glad i wasn't there but it was definitely a grimy shithole yep it the movie um, ben reardon i've got a piece by ben reardon who wrote for vice um so susan seidelman had this was her second film her first film was uh called smithereens and it's supposed to be fantastic and daniel i need to watch it uh, it was also picked up by Criterion. They kind of do, they seem to kind of do with with uh, some directors, they like to do little chunks. Yeah, um, I have the, I subscribe to the Criterion channel, which is a, you can get through like an app or, or their website. Um, and they cycle through movies. They put some of their catalog out. And they also like will have movies for a limited time that they will license and stream and put together with like intros and interviews and commentaries. And they did a package of Susan Seidelman movies, which mm -hmm. included like four movies of hers as well as, uh, some shorts and then like you know an intro with her so it's uh mm -hmm. they do that a lot with like sometimes they'll do a package of stars or directors or writers so yeah lots of yeah. stuff she uh she's championed a female protag protagonist since her acclaimed art house debut smithereens um she also did and listen i will totally confess to this being a uh just a dirty little secret. I fucking love um, She Devil, and she did She Devil with Meryl Streep and Roseanne Barr. Oh my god, I love never it saw so it. I love it so much. I don't care. I love it. Um, she was recently recognized in the One Film One New York competition for her work on Desperately Seeking Susan. This part reminded me of you, actually. Okay. 
Uh, she said, I never thought about being a professional filmmaker. I just knew I liked watching movies. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I've always asked you, like, why, you know, why didn't you go into And you were like, I don't I didn't want to make them. I just liked, you know, like, are you trying not to yawn? <laughs> I just like watching them and talking about them. Yeah. She was invited. So she, I liked this. Um, the the movies about like club kids, art holes, rock and rolls, want to be movie stars, like in 70s New York. And she wanted a Richard Hell character. Um, I myself did not know who Richard Hell was. Uh, Daniel looked him up for me. He's a punk rocker. Punk rocker. Famous punk rocker. She ended up getting Richard Hell. Like he just, so you wanted a Richard Hell character, you got Richard Hell. And he ends up being in Desperately Seeking Susan, but he's just the guy that is asleep in bed that Madonna leaves. So you don't really get to like see him, see him. But um, when Smithereens was made, it was just supposed to be the small art house art house project but it received um a lot of acclaim she was invited to the Cannes film festival to show the film during the official selection the very first time an american independent had received such attention cool yeah that's awesome um she talks about uh, auditioning actresses for the role we auditioned a lot of actresses for the role melanie griffith no huh. ellen barkin kelly mm. mcgillis jennifer jason lee Virginia Madsen, basically most young actresses of the time. But because I had such a great experience with Richard Hell and Smithereens, I wasn't afraid to work with a musician who wasn't a trained actor or actress, but who had an interesting attitude. Yeah. And it's impossible to think of it as anyone other than Madonna now. Yeah. Well, yeah. And and the fact that this came out in 85 and was, like you said, timed with, you know, Madonna was about to go on her first big U.S. tour. Like she was blowing up in 84, 85. Like, yeah. The timing there is amazing. Like, yeah. I, you just, you, you can never plan that in a way, you know, like you wind up having this movie come out with this gigantic, increasingly huge superstar yeah. whose uh, popularity and persona just outshines everyone else. Which is why she in got the movie top at the billing. Time. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, it's just it, lightning in a bottle. She got really lucky with, again, a, a charismatic performer who's not a good actress per se, but is just watchable and so confident in their own thing and she was just and being so, herself exactly and it worked in the role exactly so when they were like just be yourself and you know just act like yourself and she that's when you believe her and buy into it you're like okay that's, yeah yeah mm-hmm. that's very true mm-hmm. it's very true yeah it's <laughs> the difference between her and rosanna arquette you're like wow uh yeah no one of you is an actress and one of you is not. Um, right. But you, one of you is this electric personality that can totally get away. I mean, she's she's in the Port Authority and she's drying her hair and her armpits in a one of those On the hand, dryer. hand dryers. And you're like, and it just makes sense to you yeah. that she's doing it. You're not like, ew, you're like, yeah. It just And it becomes one of those many iconic moments in this movie that you wind up seeing in clips and stuff throughout the years of just yeah. that little instant, you know? Yeah. Or her uh, when she's sitting in the movie theater with Jim and like they're you know finishing with the popcorn watching the movie. Oh, it's the that, end of the movie. That's that shot it's has so been in tons romantic. of stuff. Yeah, it's uh, it's great. Like it's it's, it's very romantic. Yeah, uh, it's it's a really solid cast and and really John funny. John well uh, his yeah few scenes are hilarious. Yeah, it's great. Like one of the things I was talking to, to Tracy about before we started recording was it's always fun to see movies from when actors who would get bigger later were just starting, and so it's like just the role they got. You know, it's just like a random supporting role. So John Turturro's in this, and like no real introduction or exit, just like a supporting character. Mm-hmm. But you're like, oh, it's John Turturro. Similarly, there's a street salesman, a guy hawking you know crappy stuff on the street, played by Giancarlo Esposito. Yes, 
who would go on to do tons of movies and TV for the next 30 something years, still yes. acting. Um, but it's when you see him for like a scene and he's, yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's just a supporting actor and you can tell cause he's like, he's barely seen, you know, they're not really framing his face and no. trying to capture Rosanna Arquette. Like he's, yep. you barely get a shot of him directly because yep. he's not important. And yet you see him in this, you're like, oh, you would go on to do so many things because this is 85. I mean, God, he was, you know, do the right thing was just uh, a few years later. He was yep. bugging out in that. Yep. So like he's, yeah, he was about to get really big. So yeah, yeah it's really cool to see actors in roles Yeah, like that. Aiden Quinn, all like young. He's like 25, young and he's super skinny. young. Young and skinny and big eyes and yeah, you can like see his ribs when he's lying down. He's like you are so, so and he's young. so charming and sweet, and you just want to eat him up. But just uh. yeah. Also, I found out he has been married to his wife since 1987. Way to go! Aiden. Please tell me how often that happens in Hollywood. Now he can't be with me, but. It's a shame. I'm very happy that he's with his wife. You're working through your sadness, and I respect that. I am. Mm-hmm. I am. I'm still waiting for Oscar Isaac to call me, though. Me too. Um, I feel like I've kind of gone all over the place with this, but no, it's a fun movie. But I really don't like it when we get into like every single detail of the plot because I feel like we're ruining yeah. it for people. So, like, you need to see it to really, really appreciate it. Um, but I like talking about how. New York is definitely a character in this movie. And the music is really well done for the time and place. Mm -hmm. And the stuff, like, I didn't know. I Because I there have been so many actresses. I didn't know that Rosanna Arquette was one of the women that Harvey Weinstein um, destroyed. So I'm glad to have learned that. Me too. And yeah, I didn't want to get into too many details of the plot either not out of fear of spoilers per se, because usually we talk about everything that happens in the movie. It's just that this is, in a lot of ways, has a lot of like classic screwball, classic far stuff Very going on. Because I mean, screwball. again, it's 1985, which is fairly late for a mainstream movie where somebody hits their head and gets amnesia and thinks there's someone else. Which, by the way, I read a doctor said that is not possible. Yes, it's not possible at all. Um, so don't think it is. Uh, unless your character on like Full House. In which case, it's probably possible. So, but anyway, like it's oh, it, there's so many like funny twists and turns, and people thinking somebody is someone else, and miscommunication, and uh, missed connections, and uh, there's just so much going on. What did the police say? I can't believe the two of you are eating in the middle of a crisis like this. We're nervous. What do you want? Then take a volume like a normal person. Uh, and it's never like hard to follow. You always know what's going on at any given moment, but it's just really pleasantly complicated. Everybody ping ponging back and forth and thinking the person they're looking for is over here when they're really over there and they're getting names and identities wrong. And so it's because, again, Roberta hits her head, thinks she's Susan. Susan doesn't know who Roberta is, but thinks she's a terrible person who stole her stuff and is trying to like frame her for something bad. So-and-so thinks someone's having an affair with so-and-so. Like, everyone's confused. Like, it's just, it's great. Yeah. So it's it's really worth watching just to see how that gets all wound up and then sorted out. So it's really fun. Also worth watching to see if you spot the three identical triplets. From the movie Three Identical Strangers. From the movie Three Identical Strangers from 2018. Uh, Robert Shaffron, Eddie Galland, and David Kelman. They have a cameo role reportedly at Madonna's personal invitation. Yeah. Um, they, If you haven't seen that documentary, watch that documentary. Three Identical Strangers. It's fucked up. For the Nazi shit alone. It's weird. It is really messed up. But yeah, you see them in this movie because they were kind of a little 
They were they a, were a thing at the were, time. They were a little fad then. So. so they're like leaning against a wall as she's walking in, and they're checking her out, and she's like, "Hey, yeah." And we're like, "Hey!" And if I had seen, like, when I saw this movie for mm-hmm. all these years, I never thought yeah. about it until uh-huh. I watched the documentary Three Identical Strangers, yeah. and I was like, "Holy shit!" They're in. Yeah, it's worth seeing for that, season. and also because it's one of those fun add-ins that they would only do when the movie's actually being made. It's like a you know, Madonna knew of them or something. And so they're like, hey, have these guys in there. It doesn't have any plot relevance. No, It no, reminds no, 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 me no. of how, like, in Wayne's World, there's that throwaway scene where he gets pulled over by the T-1000. <laughs> yes. Have you seen this boy? Yeah. And, just, <gasps> yeah. and it's, it's, it's just, it's not related to the plot of the movie at all. They just threw it in because it was happening at the time. It was yes. a fun joke. So yes. this is like that. But um, it's definitely worth seeing. Like I said, if you subscribe to the Criterion channel, which you should, it, they usually have a lot of great stuff and they're worth supporting. Uh, streaming there right now as part of their Susan Seidelman package. And it's also available to rent on Amazon, and I think it's streaming on IMDb TV as well. So it's definitely gettable. Yes, Mm -hmm. and definitely unforgettable. There it is. There it is. Right over the plate and out of the park. swoosh? Wait. Wrong sport entirely. Damn. Wow. I like that you you made a motion of swinging a bat, but said swoosh. Well, this is like when I met the Knicks and asked them, assumed that they were a football team. Yeah. They thought that was really cute. Yep. So, if we, I mean, you know, I... Yeah, see the movie. It's really fun and worth seeing. It's, it's a great time capsule of the 80s, and it's a time capsule in the best way because it's unintentional. So, yeah, um, you want to do some hell yes? Yes. Let's uh, do some hell yes. You want me to go first? Uh, yeah, go for it. I will. Um, so, I had my first exam i've had some quizzes and stuff but those don't count i had my first exam um since i've gone back to college and i think i kicked ass on it and my professor was a total dick and gave us like all the wrong information about what's going to be on the test and uh i still kicked his ass there you go uh so i was very excited it's it's a very personal hell yeah but um i have been this is my third week i'm about to go into my fourth week um and i have not been in college in 20 years and it's been very scary and it's been a huge life change for me and i want to thank daniel for helping me through it because uh my anxiety has been uh, through the roof but it's it's something i'm gonna i'm i'm gonna do and i'm gonna you're gonna crush it crush it you keep crushing it yeah you're doing good uh so yeah I have a couple of hell yes. You do have a couple. I have a little one and a bigger one. The little one is just earlier this afternoon, Christopher McQuarrie, the writer and director of the Mission Impossible movies of late and lots of other things, yes. tweeted out something and the tweet just said, there is no escaping the past, hashtag MI7, MI8, and it had a picture of actor Henry Zerny, who played Kittredge in Mission Impossible 1, but has not been seen or heard from since. And great character and great character actor and amazing movie so henry zerny's coming back for the next couple of mission impossible movies which i love that's like my favorite modern action franchise so I, that was really exciting news i love that that's gonna be great i am very excited i was telling daniel i absolutely love i love kittredge i loved the way I, every time he talked his sentences ended like this we've got to find him yeah, he's now. a ghost he's a ghost we'll mail him his clothes mail him his clothes yeah, it's yeah. great. Yeah. That's a great. That's a great. That's hell a great yeah. One. Yeah. And um, 
Uh, we'll see what your brother-in-law says when you say that's your favorite franchise. Already, uh, well, I already texted him about the Henry Zerny news. Okay. I texted him right away. Okay. Because we've also got John Wick and we've got, you know... Um, no, I'll stay with you there with are more, Mission Impossible. There are more Mission Impossible. I'll stay with John you on Wicks. Mission Impossible. And I got to go Mission Impossible just because it's been going for 20-something years. I'm with you. Yeah. I, listen, I'm with you. Yeah. So, And my other hell yeah is uh, from a couple weeks ago, uh, a man named Rory Steele in... Uh, in England, built a special video game controller for his daughter, Ava, who has hereditary spastic paraplegia, which affects her motor skills and speech. And she would see him playing video games and want to play, but, you know, she couldn't because of her her physical issues. And so he took a Microsoft Xbox adaptive controller, cracked it open, modded it to work with a Nintendo Switch, and built her a special controller on her own so she could play video games and move the joysticks and make the stuff happen on TV. And, like, her smile just lit up this video that he made. Which makes me cry. He just posted this, like, series of videos of him just making this over the weekend. He And they were getting, like, you know, a few likes from, like, the people that follow him. Because he's just some dude in England. But the last one with his daughter smiling, it just, just blew up and went viral. And so, like, he was written about on the BBC. And I know that Nintendo and Microsoft sent him some gear and, and some stuff. But uh, it's... It's he made something for her so she could actually play. And I really like because it's about inclusivity and, and helping her and helping her experience this fun entertainment form that not everybody sometimes gets to. I really got to give huge credit to Microsoft for making the adaptive controller in the first place and this guy for having the ingenuity to figure out how to mod it and work it with a Switch. Uh, so and it's just it's a really sweet story. Uh, and so, yeah, just hell yeah. Shout out to Rory Steele. If you want to find out more about it, just Google, um, Google Rory, R-O-R-Y, Steele. BBC, and you'll probably find the story about it and You're lots of other man, stuff. You're a good man, Rory so, Steele. Yeah, it's a really cool story. So yeah, that's my hell yeah. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's fucking beautiful. Yeah. Oh, I also want to say that in a creepy turn, when we decided to do this movie, we were driving home and I was like, hey, I want to, <laughs> I want to do Desperately Seeking Susan. And he's like, that's a great idea. And then the radio was like, just flips onto Rosanna from Toto. That was weird. And Daniel's like, I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like this. Written for, of course, Rosanna Arquette. Not, of the mo- not. That's an urban, urban legend. Then why is it? Then why was this a, Why was I freaked out by the coincidence? Well, because you thought it was. Oh, so I was freaked out for the wrong reasons, but also kind of the right reasons. Yeah, I think it was a. I think it was a. It's an urban it's an legend. Urban legend, because I think they just needed a name that fit, that fit with that rhythm. the rhythm. Mm. I want to say you could look it up on Snopes. Still a great song. It is a great song and a great actress. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I, like, I don't, do we go out on Rosanna or do we go out on Into the I'll fig- Groove? I'll figure something out. Yeah. I want both. I know. I want Into the Groove though. Cause... I'll make it, I'll make it work. And you can dance for inspiration. Come on. I'm waiting. Oh. Get into the groove. Boy, you've got, you know, you're just mad you don't know any Madonna songs. Like I know I a do. lot of Madonna songs. Like I do. You're amazing. Mm, I try. Well, here comes Sadie. Producer uh, says we're done. So producer is calling it, and yep. we thank you for your patience with our break last week, mm-hmm. and we look forward to seeing you next week. Yeah. Follow us on Not Seen This Pod anywhere, uh, and please like, rate, review, and uh, we will. We'll see you soon. See you on the on the interwebs. Bye, everybody. Bye. Good going, stranger. And you can dance.